Today we're continuing our series, Thread Letters, and it was launched last week by our pastor, Pastor Jeremy, and he did a phenomenal job. He sends his best to you today. He's celebrating with his wife on her birthday, and uh, man, we're just so thankful for just an amazing pastor, amen? And uh, if you did not catch last week's message, I strongly encourage you, this, this series is based on the Lord's Prayer, and in order to really grasp and understand the weight that the Lord's Prayer carries and what it can do in your life and the effectiveness that it can have, you have to understand the very first two elements of this prayer, uh, and they are what? Our father, right? And Pastor Jeremy did a fantastic job. No matter what the idea of an earthly father means to you, you have a heavenly father who loves and cherishes you. And that's how he wants us to start our prayers. That's how he wants us to start our petition, our praise, our adoration to him is he wants us to come to him and say our father. So if you didn't check that out, you can check that out on our Timber Creek Church app. You can check that out on Facebook or timbercreekchurch.com. But I strongly encourage you, you got to get the trajectory of the Lord's prayer correct in the very first two phrases because if you miss what our father really means, that we are sons and daughters of the most high God, of, of, of God of the entire universe, if we miss that we're sons and daughters and heirs, then the trajectory of our prayer is actually off. And the effectiveness of what that prayer could mean for your life is off. So I, I would encourage you to go back and, and check that out this week. Um, you're going to hear a couple things that you've heard in the past weeks. You're going to hear those for the remainder of this series. And the very first thing is, is the very first line in your notes. And it's kind of what this, uh, this whole series is based off of, what the Lord's Prayer really represents. And it says this, it says, every phrase is a thread. Every phrase of the Lord's Prayer is a thread that connects the fabric of biblical doctrine into one prayer. Now, Jesus, when he's teaching uh, the Lord's Prayer, and he models this and he shows this uh, to his disciples and those that were around him, um, Jesus understood the entirety of the Bible. Now, up, up to this point, Matthew through Revelation didn't even exist. In fact, as Jesus is talking, people are writing, like, and that's, that's how the Gospels were formed. But Jesus, we, see, we know in John chapter 1, we see that Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's, that, that's a, a, direct, a direct reference to Jesus himself, meaning that Jesus is the Word of God, meaning that Jesus knew what would be written to John in Revelation, or what John would write in Revelation. And Jesus knew literally the entire 66 books that we have in our hands today to read the words of God. He knew what they would be. And so what he did is he took six verses, the most concentrated, the most effective, the most powerful statements, and honestly, one of the most rehearsed and recited things in the past 2,000 years of human history since it's been written, um, is, is literally concentrated and power-packed into these six statements, these six verses, these six uh, pieces of this prayer. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to break each one of them down. So with Pastor Jeremy breaking down our father last week, today we're going to move into hallowed be thy name. And you see, like hallowed is not a word we use very often, but I'm gonna, we're going to talk about what it really means to hallow the name of God. And you know, what's so funny is, you know, we see in Luke chapter 11 that the disciples, they tell, they, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then you have another reference to the Lord's prayer there in Luke chapter 11, um, but they wanted to be taught how to pray. They could have been taught anything and everything that Jesus was doing. In fact, as he's going throughout his daily life, he's modeling them, he's bringing them alongside of them. He's showing, he's expressing, he's correcting, he's rebuking. He's saying, Satan, get behind me to some of his close, like he, he's telling them what to do. But the thing they ask him to do is, Lord, teach us to pray. Now they could have said, hey, Lord, can you teach us to do that thing where they walk out of the grave? Like, I'd like to go do that in the grave, in the cemetery down the street. 
Like, uh, hey, hey, uh, John, come forth. Like we were, we were trying to do it last night. We got kicked out of the, I did, I was, I'm, I'm saying, I'm just, just so you know, like I wasn't in the cemetery trying to do this. I'm just telling a little story. Like, come on, you guys are alive, right? Everybody? Those of you online, you guys are alive. Thank you, online audience. Thank you, you guys are the best. Listen, they could have asked for anything. They could have said, hey, Jesus, hey, how do we do the whole um, spit in the dirt thing and rub it on the eyes thing? Uh, It's COVID right now. So like, how how do we do that? Like, what would be your way of us doing that since we don't want to spit on each other right now? Um, What do you recommend? How how do we help blind men see? No? Okay. You guys okay? Everybody good? Give me a thumbs up. We all good? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And they saw the importance. They saw Jesus going and modeling this every single day. In fact, we have 25 direct references of Jesus withdrawing to pray to the Father or Jesus praying in public to the Father, meaning that they understood the importance of prayer. They saw him feeding the 5, 15, 10,000 people. They, they, They saw him feeding. They saw him healing. They saw him performing these incredible miracles. But what maybe not a lot of people did see was the withdrawing before that was happening or the withdrawing after it was happening to go and pray to the Father. And so they said they wanted that, that they, they knew that they had access to the power because Jesus had told them that. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he, sa- he says this, when you pray, pray like this. And I, um, like some of you, like many of you in here, probably um, you were taught this like in Sunday school or growing up in church. Maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you have heard this many times. A lot of times when you hear the Lord's Prayer, you hear it in the King James Version, uh, a version written in the 1600s. You hear it in this version, um, the Our Father who art in heaven. That, that's the one you're going to hear a lot for those that have memorized it. And so that's the one we're going to take and we're going to read together over the next few weeks. And we're going to break down the Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're going to break down each line of that specific translation uh, for the Lord's Prayer. So this morning, I want to begin just by reading it together. Uh, All of us, everybody here at Lufkin, Nacogdoches, those that are joining us online, let's all read this together and we'll we'll recite this or we'll read this out of Matthew chapter six in the King James Version. All together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Such a powerful, powerful prayer. And Jesus models it in six verses, in six statements. He models what our prayer life should look like. He models that every time we go to the Father, he models exactly how we should go to the Father. He models exactly how we should pray. We shouldn't start by saying, God, help me with this. It's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And it's not that your every single prayer has to start with those uh, right words, but it's that, that should be the, the form of your prayer. You should understand that God is your Father and he's holy. And then you come to him and you ask for things. It's, it's just a... It's it's just an honoring, it's understanding, it's hallowing his name because we shouldn't be able to have access to the creator of the universe, but we do because he wants it, right? And so um, when he teaches them to prayer or to, to pray, he's really helping them understand and, and in his modeling in his life, he's helping them understand that prayer is one of the most important things that they could ever do. As the disciples, as people that were walking around building the church eventually, what, what they would do in the next you know, few years, um, that prayer is the key to everything that they should do and be. So essentially for us, prayer is the key that everything to, uh, prayer is the key to everything you should do and be. Prayer should be a part of your life. Prayer should be a part of everything that you do. Prayer should be a part of your decision-making. Prayer should not be uh, limited to bedtime, and prayer should not be limited to your meals. Prayer should be a part of everything in your life. 
And when you begin to unlock that and understand the, the weight that prayer really has, that you're communicating directly to the Father in heaven, to the creator of the entire universe who has everything that you could ever ask or need of, right? Prayer should be a part of everything that we do. So today we're jumping into hallowed be thy name. Hallowed is a, is a word we don't really use very much, very often. Um, you know, it was in the King James Version, so this is, you know, four, 400 plus years ago uh, that this was written. Um, but, but hallowed simply means to treat something as holy and as sacred as it actually is. Um, we, we understand the word holy and we understand the word sacred, right? Um, so hallowing the name of God means to truly treat his name, to truly treat God for as holy as he actually is. So to understand what hallowed means is simply treat him holy, like keep him holy. Um, he tells us in the Ten Commandments, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, right? And so, so in essence, we're hallowing the Sabbath. We're, we're honoring the Sabbath. So in a sense, literally, it, all, it only means to just keep the name of God holy. Tim Keller said it this way, to treat God as holy means to have your entire heart captivated with wonder by him. Now that takes it a little bit further, right? Because we, we say the word holy, but really to grasp what holy means is to have your entire heart captivated by God. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle with this. Like I have lots of distractions in my life. And so keeping God holier than anything else isn't always a priority for me, but it should be. And this is why Jesus reminds us of this. He reminds us that he's our father, but he's holy. And in our prayer life, which should be daily, we should recognize the holiness and greatness and power and majesty of God. And we should let him know that we recognize that. We should say those things and speak those things. As humans, we may not deem everything in our life as holy. You might not think that things that are considered important in your life are holy, but it really is, is it's the matter of the heart. It's, is your heart captivated by all of these things? And it's not wrong to be captivated by something. Like I'm captivated with love for my wife and my children. I'm captivated with, I love me some coffee. I'm captivated with some sneakers. I like some sneakers and, and that's okay. But, but I shouldn't be captivated. My entire heart shouldn't be captivated by those things, right? My entire heart should be captivated by God. The sole priority in my life should be captivated by God. There's things in your life that you're gonna love and that you're gonna hold dear, right? And that's okay. But your life should be completely sold out for God. The, the, the sole priority, this, the most important thing in your life should be God. And if we're captivated by everything, then are we really captivated by anything, right? I, I heard this in a leadership teaching that uh, somebody told me one time. They said, if everything's important, then nothing's important, right? If everything's important in your work week, then nothing's gonna be important to you because it's gonna all be important and what's really the most important thing. So what if we change that to, if everything in your life is holy, then nothing can truly be holy. If you hold everything in your life as holy as you're holding God, then God has now come down to the level of our Instagram feed. God has now come down to the level of our shopping, of our job, of our workplace, of our education. God, we can never bring God down to that. But unfortunately, what, what happens sometimes is we hallow everything. We kind of hallow everything, which means we're not holding God to the holiness that he deserves and to the holiness that he desires. So how do we do it? How do we hallow the name of God? Because we can say God is holy. We can see all through scripture that God is holy. But how do we do that? Because hallowing is, is an action. Hallowing is, is actually putting action behind saying that God is holy, right? And so we see here in the, the verses I read a few, a few minutes ago, um, King David is writing in Psalm 63. And I want to read, I mean, we're going to break down King David a little bit and help you kind of understand um, 
how he hallows the name of God. And if you want to see the name of God hallowed, if you want to see the name of God praised, read the Psalms. Like David understood that no matter what the circumstance was, God was holy. And so in Psalm 63, it says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. And listen, David lived a good life. David was one of the greatest kings to ever live in this world. David was a a God-appointed, God-chosen king over God's people. David got everything that he really needed. God, God delivered his enemies to him. God gave him everything that he could need or ask or want or desire. Like God, God supported and, and took care of David and everything. So David knew what it was to have a good life. He also knew what it was to not have a good life because he made some major mistakes that we'll talk about in a few minutes. But he understood who God was, probably better than anyone else um, on the planet because we have this reference of David being a a man after God's own heart. He really understood what it was to praise him. And and here's the deal. If you want to hallow God, the key to this is praise. In fact, it's more than just praise. It's our consistent praise is the key to holding the name of God holy consistent praise. It's not just praise on a Sunday morning. If your praise begins and ends with Pastor Cody leading us in worship or Tyler and the team over there in Nacogdoches leading you in worship, if your praise begins and ends here, you're probably not hallowing the name of God enough in your life. And you're probably not reaping the benefits of what it means to hallow the name of God. Because holding God holy is is a two-way street. It's holding him holy, but also there comes blessing and understanding. and, And there just comes this solidification inside of you knowing that no matter what the circumstances are, God is still holy. He's still on the throne and I can still lift him up in any situation. And so it's our praise. It's our constant praise. It's our adoration to God that helps us keep his name holy. So we're going to focus on three aspects of praise. So we're going to break down hallowed. The best way I can tell you to do that is to praise. Now we're going to break down praise into three elements. Now there's many, many ways to praising, but I think these three ways can kind of help you grasp and understand and maybe put into action um, some of these things in your life. We're going to talk about beholding because David talks about, I have beheld your power and your glory. Like he, he has, he has beheld, he's grasped thinking and expressing. Very first thing we're going to talk about is beholding. Now, um, when I say the word beholding, again, that's, that's another word that we don't use very often. We don't say, I, I behold this, I beheld that very often. But it's something that really brings a lot of weight and a lot of power to our words. Um, I, I can remember we were in Africa a couple of years ago uh, for a mission trip, and we had went over there, and we were helping build a library at a Bible college that sent out church planners like into the bush, and all of these people, like literally Tanzania is where we went, and they're having this massive revival um, of all God is doing, and it was incredible incredible thing. Um, but I can remember, I was trying to think like, what was the time that I remember beholding something like truly being in awe and just stepping back and seeing it for what it was. And we were in a layover. So it was like a 24 hour flight between four flights. It was terrible. The worst thing ever. Like, I don't know if you've ever been on a long flight, but we were on a 16 hour flight, um, to Doha, Qatar. And that was horrible. But when we got to Qatar, we were staying in a hotel kind of for our layover. And we were driving around the city. Doha, Qatar has two, um, two uh, downtowns. Um, so they don't just have one big downtown. They have two big downtowns. And I can remember like Doha, Qatar, it's in the southern part of the Middle East, is one of the coolest downtowns architecture I've ever seen in my life. Like literally all of us, we were, we were driving or we, had, we flew, we flew over the Atlantic Ocean. Um, we were flying and we landed, we, we came from Kansas. And so Kansas, listen, there's not a whole lot of cool, big architecture in Kansas. In fact, Kansas is pretty flat. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But, but anyway, we were there and we were driving around and I mean, literally like our faces are pressed up against the windows. Our mouths are wide open because we're like, wow, like this is insane. 
this is beautiful. And, and we do that once and then we get to the other side of the water and there's more, like literally, these aren't buildings like we have in Dallas and Houston or even New York and Chicago. Like our buildings are very structured, very straight. Um, you, know, you might have the, event, you know, the, the short little squatty one that has whatever on it, but like these were like, like twisted and turned and like one looked like it had like lace all the way, like it was unreal. So if you wanna see something really cool, check out Doha Qatar Skyline, like just Google it and you'll be kind of in awe, but, but literally being under it and looking up at it, it was really magnificent. And I be, we, we beheld it as a team. We beheld the, the glory of it, we, with the, the majesty of all of that. Now, I'm using words that we should be using for God, but it's just to kind of help you understand. I mean, we also were checking out all of the, the Lamborghinis and the Ferraris that were driving by every single like, time we had a stoplight. Like, you see one of those every now and then. Like literally, that was what they drove over there. I was like, I think we're in the wrong country. Like, I wanna drive a Ferrari all the time. Like, that's cool. It, but it was, it was just a really cool experience. How often do we take a step back and behold the majesty and beauty of God like that? How often are we just in awe of what he's done? Not even of what he's done in our life. I mean, that, that's amazing in itself, but like literally he's the creator of the universe. Like how often do we stand back in awe of his creation? I, I'm, I'm a West Texas boy, I'm not an East Texas boy. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, and you wanna talk about flat? It, like it's flat, like we're all flat earthers over there. Um, not like you fall off the earth flat, but like it's literally flat, like for 10, 15, 20, I don't even know what the miles are, but you can literally just see forever. So like when you're coming up, you're driving into Amarillo off of 287, literally you can see like our, our one little tower, it's maybe 15 stories high. You can see it from like 15 miles away. Like that's how flat Amarillo is. And so, uh, and then I lived in Kansas for a few years. I lived in Dallas, so you know, I, I've seen cool structures and everything, but I've never seen trees like in East Texas, okay? And I haven't been out a whole lot into the world, but like East Texas is beautiful, right? No? I mean, come on, be proud of some East, like East Texas beauty, y'all. Like, it is beautiful here. We even made national news because we're sticking flags up on trees. I have no idea how anybody gets up there. Like, I don't get it. Y'all, like I'm driving and I'm like, like again, mouth wide open, press against the window and I'm driving at the same time. So that's not ever good. I have no idea. Like, the, okay, I used, to, I used to climb trees. Like every, every boy climbs a tree. Every girl climbs a tree. Like you do that, right? Maybe you don't if you're a girl. But I, I, I'm a boy and I was climbing trees, right? Uh, but we would always have a branch to grab onto. I have no idea. If somebody really knows how they're doing it or if you're doing it, come talk to me. I just wanna watch you do it one time. Um, and if you fall, I have nothing to do with that. But no, really, like, I have no idea. There's like 50 foot of nothing on the tree before you even get to branches. So I don't get it. Like it blows my mind. We make national news for the weirdest things, y'all. We lick ice cream in Walmart and we stick trees, flags on trees. Like, but y'all, Lufkin's making national news. Come on now. Like, I guess, I guess be proud of it. But the truth of it is, East Texas is beautiful. Really, anywhere that you are, you can find beauty. You can find God's beauty and God's majesty in it um, because he is, he's amazing. When we, when we begin to truly behold God for ourselves, not because someone else is telling us how glorious and majestic God is, but when we begin to behold him for ourselves, it begins to spark praise inside of us. It begins to spark something inside of us that will eventually turn into praise. We begin to behold like, wow, God, you really are good. Wow, God, you really did save me from that. Wow, God, I was really upset that you didn't give me that promotion, but now I see what it did to that family, and I get it. Like, thank you, God, for it. Like, and all of these things that we sometimes get frustrated with God about, sometimes if we would just step back and behold like what he's actually doing and how good he actually is, and no matter what we think, we know that he really has our best interest in mind, 
and really he wants the best for us, like that's who God is. And it's all about beholding. You know, David here, he says, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory. What's interesting about this is David was not in a sanctuary writing this. He was actually in a desert running for his life again. Like time and time and time again, David ends up in a desert or ends up in hills and caves running for his life. This time it's uh, from his son, Absalom, who King David made some major mistakes with Bathsheba, had an affair, had her husband killed, has a child, that child doesn't live. And it causes this massive family uh, drama to happen. And all of a sudden it's like a family fallout. And a few years go by and, and his son Absalom is now trying, he's got his own kingdom over here. And now he's trying to kill his father to take over the throne. And that, that's what David, David is literally running for his life all alone, except he does have the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of the entire universe. Like he has him there with him. And he, so he knows what it means to behold God's glory. Because even in the sense of he's in a desert, he's in a dry and parched land. Like, like what he's saying in the first part of this is a physical representation of where he was. If you, if you look at your physical Bible, maybe your digital Bible has it, but at the top it will say King da- a Psalm of King David uh, written in the desert of Judah. Written in the desert of Judah. And, and what it's really explaining is like David wrote this Psalm of God's holiness, wrote this psalm of no matter what God, I'm gonna praise you with the richest of foods. Like he's, he's very specific about how God, how good God is. He's very specific about whole, how holy God is. And he's in the middle of the desert, probably doesn't have a lot of water, probably doesn't have any food. And he's writing about the glory and majesty of God. You see, God's holiness isn't dependent on our circumstances. Sometimes we get that mixed up that, or maybe we just don't think about it, but even in, in the valley, even in the hard times, even in the dark places, even in 2020, y'all, like 2020 is, is a rough, rough year. Like it's, 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 it's so rough, it's a joke to everybody, right? But the truth of it is, it's been a really bad year. But you know what? God is still holy. He's still on the throne. He still, he still reigns supreme over any kingdom, over any authority, over any man, right? Like, like he's, he's holy. He's still holy, not dependent on the United States of America and our, like God is still holy, period. Amen? Jonathan Edwards says this. Uh, Jonathan Edwards was a great missionary evangelist to the Americas um, back in the 1700s, before the United States was even formed. The United States was formed in 1776. Jonathan Edwards passed away in 1758. Um, but he was a huge reason. He would have massive revivals and what were called awakenings um, of really just God being introduced to people here and people choosing to follow God in their life. Um, but he says this in uh, one of his sermons that he wrote. He says, I can tell you well that honey is sweet, but you can't get it until you taste it. You see, we can talk about beholding and we can even read scriptures about how holy God is. But when you really behold the goodness and power and majesty of God, when you take a moment, because here's the deal, it doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take a lot to take a step back and look at your life and look at what God has brought you out of, what he has delivered you from, to look at his creation, to look at his majesty, to look at your family. It doesn't take a lot to behold the holiness and power and majesty of God. But when you take time to do that, it begins to spark praise inside of you. And it begins to spark personal praise, which is what God really wants. Yes, it's okay to, to recite and to sing and to worship together, yes, but I do think that there is a, a, a difference when it becomes really personal to you and you begin to behold the glory and power of God. Moving into thinking. Now, thinking can be confused with just you know, flashing a thought of God in our mind, but here's the deal. Um, thoughts cross you know, through our mind every single day. Like I'm thinking about Olive Garden right now. Anybody else? Anybody else thinking about Olive Garden? 
like 95 of you. Thank you. Um, listen, uh, I can throw down on some lasagna, y'all. Like, it's, it's good. It's good, right? Some of you are like, no, I'm, I'm a Tijuanitas person myself. Like, figured, figured. No Olive Garden fans in here, I guess. Um, but here's, here's the deal. We have thoughts flash through our mind all the time. And if, if God just becomes one of those thoughts, that's not really thinking about him, right? If he just becomes a thought that flashes through your mind, and even if you say, God, you're holy, you know, that, that's that. That's not the kind of thinking I'm talking about. I'm talking about putting real intentional thought into who God is. Putting real intentional thought into who he is for you. Not who he is for somebody else. Not who he is for the last sermon that you heard. Not who he is for what even the scriptures say. Although the scriptures give a very detailed look into how holy and how mighty God is. But, but why not put some real thought into your perspective of who God is? Because then it really begins to transition your heart into praise. It really begins to help you understand, man, I'm beholding how good God is. Now I'm gonna put some thought into how good God is. I'm gonna put some time and energy into thinking about like, like who God is to me and what he is. G, uh, David says this, and, and, and you can hear the thought. Who knows how many pieces of paper or, or whatever he was writing on in the moment, how many things he wadded up and threw away, but I think he was wanting to be so intentional with his words here to prove how good God was, even in the midst of his terrible circumstance. And he says this, he says, I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of night. I think of you through the watches of night, meaning I'm not gonna stop thinking about you even in the middle of the night uh, when I'm having to, to, to watch and make sure no one has found me, make sure no one is trying to kill me. I'm thinking about you, God. I'm putting thought into you, God. Um, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you and your right hand upholds me. Like that takes some real thought. Now, obviously he was a brilliant and beautiful writer and, and no one can really write it like he can. Um, but what if you begin to write or think about God in, the, in those ways? And, and, and instead of taking David's words here, you begin to formulate your own words to God. You begin to formulate how awesome he really is. You begin to hallow his name by being specific with God because God is very specific with you. He's very specific with you, and David knew that, and so he wanted to be specific with him. In fact, I would even say this. Being able to describe the way you, your love for God and his holiness is what separates relationship over religion. Being able to describe how God is holy to you is what separates relationship from religion. Right? It would be like this. Like, I love my wife dearly, but if I said I love you and she says why, and I just say just because I love you, well, I think, you know, Eventually, I should probably be able to come up with reasons why I love my wife, right? I should be able to say, I love you because you laugh at my dumb jokes. I love you because of the way that you look at me. I love you because of the way that you hold my hand. I, like, I, I can be expressive. And guess what? The, the word I love you is overused all the time. We, we overuse and over text and over, uh, you, you know, over thumb, I love you all the time, right? And we know that there are some people in our life that if we want them to know how much we care and love about them, we gotta be specific with them, right? We've gotta put some words, we've gotta put some thought, we gotta think about what we're saying. So if we've gotta think about someone that we love and care about so much, how much more should we think about the words that we're sending up to our Father? How much more should we put thought and time into who he is and what he's done for us? That's hallowing the name of God. That's hallowing the name of God. 
You know, I think about great worship songs like some of the ones we sang this morning, um, Build My Life, talking about how holy God is and I will build my life upon you. And, and, and then the, the What a Beautiful Name, like literally those, those songs as well as many, many others, guess where they came from? They didn't come from just a, a spur of the moment thought. Now, maybe the, the thought of it came from it, but to get those kinds of beautiful words and for us to be able to sing them and to put the, the melodies and all of the things that are attached to writing a song like it takes a lot of thought and a lot of time to put in that. And you know what? Those people that wrote those, no matter if it was a collective group of people, if it was one single person, those people that wrote those songs that we sang this morning, they know what it is to, to hallow the name of God. Doesn't mean they do it all the time. Doesn't mean they do it perfectly. But if you can put words like that on a screen, then, then I know you're putting some thought into what, how God is and who he is to you. Right? And so what if we begin to not just use every, person's other, every other person's words about God? What if we begin to take words ourselves and, and begin to put into action and put into thought how holy and how, how wonderful and how mighty he is for what he's done in our life? To truly be captivated um, by God is, is what keeps him holy, being captivated by him. Before we can really express the holiness of God, we have to think about his holiness, okay? So we talked about beholding, we talked about thinking, putting real thought into it, but then you can move into expressing. Because if you don't behold and you don't think before you express, it doesn't mean you can't express without those other things, but I wonder how much more real it becomes if you behold, think, put some thought into it, and then you express, and then you write, and then you sing, and then you lift your hands, and then you dance, and then you really, really, really worship God for who he is for you, and not who he is for the neighbor sitting next to you, for who he is for you, and not for the last great story or testimony that you heard from somebody. Like, you are automatically making it your own. So moving into expression, or expressing, the expression of praise, remember we're talking about praise being the way that we hallow God. Consistent praise is the key to keeping the name of God holy at all times in your life. Expression of praise is simply moving our thoughts about God into action. That's what it means. It's literally just taking all of the things that we've beheld, all of the things that we formulated in our mind, and now we're putting them into action. We're putting them into action. You see David say this in his psalm again. It says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. So again, he's thinking, he's writing, and he's saying, I will lift my hands. I will sing. Like, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't just stop with the good thought. It even doesn't just stop with the writing. Writing is a form of expressing, but, but he's saying, I will lift my hands. I will sing with my lips. He's being very descriptive because that's what he wants to do. He wants to move from the thought about how good, is, how good God is to now he wants to express how good God is. Our expression of praise should be done both privately and corporately. If you're expressing praise for God in a public setting like, like, like our church, but you don't, you don't express any other way. You don't express by yourself. You, you, don't, you rely on the energy of the room. You rely on the, the, the ramp up of the worship. If that's what you're relying on, then maybe I would, I would consider maybe thinking about how you express God, express your worship and, and your awe and your adoration to God differently, even in your own room. 
even in your car. You know, just, just understanding that it, it's your responsibility to express in the way that you want to express. At, at Timber Creek, we, we encourage expression of worship. Now, your worship should never become distracting to others. Your worship should never become about you. It, it's all about him. It's all centered on him. But man, w- when we lift our hands in here, it's not for anything but to say, God, I worship you. And, and this song is saying it way better than I can right now, but I'm gonna sing it at the top of my lungs because man, whoever wrote this really gets it. And God, I'm, I'm gonna own this right now. I'm gonna sing this. I'm going to sing these words at the top of my lungs because God, you deserve my praise. You deserve the highest praise. I'm going to give you everything I can. And we begin to express, we begin to express our, our thoughts now have become actions. You can do this many different ways. You can do it in singing. You can do it in dancing. You can do it in lifting your hands. But remember, it's, it's not about, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about him. It's always about him. So, so your, your expression of worship should never draw anyone to you. It should always draw everyone to him. And I think that sometimes, man, we, we can really get it right for somebody else if we begin to express worship correctly and all of a sudden they begin to behold the power of God through you and they know, they knew, they know your story and they know what you've been through and you're still joyous and you're still happy and you can still hallow and worship the name of God. Like what if, what if God's waiting for you? You know, we're always asking God for a sign or someone's you know, saying, hey God, if you're real, give me a sign. Maybe, maybe somebody says that outside of your workplace or something. What if God uses you and the way that you express his glory, the way that you express the wonder and majesty of God? What if God uses you to be the beholding moment for them that could possibly spark them to have a relationship with God? You can do that through water baptism. We're doing water baptism next week. You guys ready to see some people get baptized? Yeah. We haven't baptized since before COVID and we're going to do it safely, but man, we are ready to baptize people because guess what? It's an expression of praise to God. It's an expression of worship to God because here's what it is. It's a physical representation of the old life is gone and the new life has come. And we're going to see people go into the waters of baptism and come out expressing to themselves and to you publicly that God is good and God is great and, and God is wonderful and God has changed my life. That, that, there are so many ways that you can express just as long as you're expressing. God desires our praise, but he doesn't need our praise. He desires our praise because he knows how much we need it for ourselves. You see, when we begin to express in worship, when we begin to express how good God really is, it does something in our heart. It changes the posture of our heart from God, I need, God, I need to God, you're good. God, you're good. God, you're great. And sometimes God is our God, I need, God, I need, God, I need. But man, if we can transition that to God, you're good no matter what. God, you're good whether I get this or not. God, you're good whether I'm healed or not. God, you're holy whether this, this fixes or whether it changes. Or, God, you're still holy. It changes the posture. And I think that's why Jesus says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Because guess what? Before we go into asking for anything, before we go into asking for forgiveness, before we go into asking for our daily bread, before we go into asking for anything, we understand that God, even if you don't, even if you don't give it to me, you're still holy. God will be praised no matter what. We know that at the end of time, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and everyone will say that the name of God is holy because he is. He will, he will be worshiped. He will be adored. He, he, he will be held holy. His, his name will be hallowed. You know, Jesus um, in, in, um, in the gospels, that he performed a miracle and there was people that were praising God for what had happened, for the miracle that had just happened. And the Pharisees were saying, hey, shut them up. Tell them to be quiet. They should not be doing this. And Jesus turns to them and rebukes them and says, if they don't do it, the rocks will cry out. And I do not want a rock ever crying out in my place. 
I, I don't. I, I want to be the one that worships God through the thick, through the thin, through the, through the mountain, through the valley. Like, I want to be the one that worships God because guess what? God is going to be worshiped no matter what, and I'd rather be doing it than a rock be doing it. Amen? C.S. Lewis said it this way. When you enjoy something, which we enjoy a lot of things, but when you enjoy something, that joy always flows into praise. But it's the expression of praise that completes the joy. I love coffee. Like, I love it. Like, for real, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm probably a little bit of an addict. I probably, you know, should go to a meeting every now and then about my coffee addiction. Like, for real, I, ha- I literally have a coffee subscription. I get a new bag of coffee every 21. And here's the deal. I love, I love our staff. I love our team. But they, like, I watch them in the office, and they go to the Keurig, and they pour the creamer, like, all the way to the very top, and then let the coffee kind of fill it up a little bit. So they like a little bit of coffee with their creamer. I think that's disgusting. Any creamer lovers in here? Yeah, I know, yeah. I see you over there in, uh, in Timber Creek Coffee Co. You're like, hey, um, can you put like 10 more pumps of that in here for me? I'm like, how? Like, why? Like, that burns your throat, right? No, I, I like coffee for real. Like, I, I actually grind the beans and, and weigh it out in grams. I mean, sometimes people come by and they're looking in, in the youth pastor's office and they're like, is he, what's, what's he doing in there? He's weighing a whole bunch of stuff on a scale. And listen, when you've been a youth pastor for a long time, you understand grams, you, you get it, you figure it out, okay? But I... I but I love coffee, period. I love coffee. But, but it really is the expression of it. In fact, one of my favorite things, uh, Pastor Dan in Nacogdoches, incredible campus pastor, he actually likes coffee. Like he actually likes the taste of real coffee, like black coffee, like that's, that's how I like it. Um, and so he'll come in the office like when we have staff on Tuesdays and like he knows, like he knows what's up. You can smell it coming out of my office and he'll come in there and, and Pastor Dan, he doesn't come in with a low cup. Like he's like, yo, I'm ready. Like he's got like a, a double, you know, fisted cup and he's ready to take it. And so, I, I mean, I pour it all in. I have to go back through the whole grams thing and measure it all out again. But, but, but you know what it is? When he takes a sip, I'm like, yeah, it's good, right? Yeah, yeah. Notes of like raspberry and notes of, it's, it's stupid. I know it, it doesn't matter. But, but you know what, you know what completes the joy for me? You know what completes the joy? When, when someone else gets to experience it with me. It's like buying a house. Like, it's fun when you walk in your house and it means a lot to you. But the moment someone else walks in your house and gets to experience it with you, like it means a lot. Or, or a funny video is a lot funnier when someone else is laughing with you, right? You might like laugh, LOL, like, but you didn't even LOL, like liar. Like uh, you didn't laugh out loud. But when you show it to somebody else and then you both LOL, like for real, like you're both laughing out loud, it, it completes the joy for you. Like, like the video becomes funnier, right? So the adoration and the praise and the expression of our praise is better when we're sharing it and when we're doing it and when people begin to see it and they can experience it with us. It completes the joy for us. Expressing what you think about God not only touches the heart of God, but it makes it a reality for you and for others. It really does. It makes it a reality. Like the moment you move from thinking about it to expressing it and to putting it into action, actions speak louder than words, right? So. You might say something, but man, when you begin to express it and it's, and it's a real expression of praise, it's a real expression of hallowing the name of God, it does something. It does something inside of you and it does something inside of them. And I would encourage you this morning, if you don't do that, start doing it. Start putting into practice. You, you, you can do it. You can do it. It's just expressing what's in your heart and what God has done inside of you. And maybe you're in here this morning, you're like, well, honestly, this is the first time I've really ever even thought about God. Maybe you're, you're joining us online and, and you're saying kind of the same thing. Like, I've never really thought about keeping the name of God holy. And in fact, I haven't really thought about God very much in my life. But here's something to behold, okay? Here's something to look at. Here's something to stand in awe of, that we should be standing in awe of every single day. But sometimes it's a story that we forget to stand and behold. He gave his son for you. 
We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it, but He did it for us. In fact, the son or daughter that you are that was talked about last week comes from that sacrifice on the cross. And Jesus Christ Himself lost His sonship in that moment. And He goes from the very first time we ever hear Him not say, my Father or our Father, He says, my God, my God, because He exchanged His life for our adoption. And if you haven't beheld the goodness and glory of God, like that is the goodness of God right there. He loves you so much that he exchanged his son, not his own life, he exchanged his son's life for you. And if you're in this place and you're like, you know what? I've never, I've never accepted Jesus. I've never, I've never understood that. I've never beheld that. I've never looked at that before. And you wanna do it, it, it doesn't take us having to have a formal prayer. In fact, you can just say, God, I know you're holy and I know you're great. And I wanna give my life to you because you gave your son's life for me and I wanna do that. That very last thing on your notes says, understanding that salvation is only by grace causes our hearts to turn towards praise. Like that should be the very thing that if we can't find and focus on the holiness and power and might of God, we should look at our salvation because we deserve death, but he took it for us. So right now at all locations, we're gonna transition to a time of worship. We're gonna transition to a time of where we are going to put into practice. We're going to have an expression of praise right now at all locations.